1: We'll talk about our expectations of it before it, and then our thoughts after it. This is episode 21, and I'm joined by Gavin Michael Booth. Gavin has directed movies like The Scare House and a shitload of shorts, including this amazing one he did recently called Just 20, which you can find for free online that I think is required viewing for every human being on Earth. So please check that out. And he's also directed about a million music videos. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. Alright, so we're watching On the Waterfront. Uh, I'm Jeremy. I have not seen this movie, and I'm here with... Gavin Booth. I also have not seen this movie. So why
0: haven't you seen it? It's just on the never-ending list of movies to get to, but I also, admittedly, uh, just think that I won't like classic movies. (laughs) I I have the same thing with period pieces, even modern ones, where I go, that looks boring. So I just don't watch them, yeah. even
1: though I know I'm probably missing out on all kinds of great content. You know what? I, I'm probably very similar. And I'm constantly surprised by how much I like them when I finally do sit down and watch them. And you go, right, there's a reason this is a classic, because it's actually not there, a piece of shit. There's a lot where I have, like, the head slap of, like, you're
0: an idiot. Like, why did, or, or discover something that I love, and I'm like, why did I not watch this for the last You know, I'm, I'm, I
1: turned 40 this year, so this is, like, 40 years on the planet that I haven't seen... Yeah. You know, a beloved movie. So much of it feels like homework sometimes, and that's what you don't want. You never, I, Especially now I'm at that age, I'm a little bit younger than you, but I don't want it to feel like homework. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why I avoid some of the movies I've avoided. And it's interesting doing this, like Seven Samurai I watched finally for the first time. Oh, wow. Holy yeah. shit, did I love that movie. And I had one of those moments where I'm like, why didn't I watch this? And Kurosawa has been a big black hole for me. Mm-hmm. He's just one of those guys I never got around to, and now I'm kind of obsessed with him.
0: There's a few like that, like I, you know, I'm obsessed with Twin
1: Peaks. So I always have
0: been. I'm watching the new season, but like, there are very few David Lynch films that I've actually seen. Mm. So
1: I, my wife and I are going to go on a binge of that soon. You know? Yeah. No, it's amazing, and so many. It's funny. I found uh, there's kind of this uh, not tradition. That's the wrong word. Uh, similar thing where a lot of the people a lot of the movies people pick for the podcast are all long movies. Oh yeah. And I'm like is that because people
0: avoid long movies? I think that's part of it. Yeah. We were just talking about like modern blockbusters
1: and things are, are overly long. Yeah, at least two of the movies we've done on the podcast are over three hours. Oh wow. Um we did get we did Heaven's Gate. It's a good thing you don't do like a real time you know, commentary. <laughs> no, well I, I originally... Uh, my original uh, thought for the podcast was going to be commentaries during other people's movies. And then realized that was probably way too long. And who's really going to sit down... I mean, who listens to commentaries in general? Not many people. Yeah. Uh, so, not unless it's their favorite comedian giving the commentary. <laughs> that's just it. So I was like, let's not do that. And then um, Norm Wilner did his Someone Else's Movie podcast, which was similar to that idea. So I... I nixed that for the longest time, and then just had this non, non-stop, ever-growing list of just movies I always meant to watch. And I was like, that's the podcast. There you Sitting go. Sitting down. You're, you're going to finally to see your bucket list at some point, too. Yeah, and for me, it's just been really, really fun to sit down and watch movies with people, which you normally don't do. No. You know? You have your, you know... Your family, yeah, and then and the, and, and the odd friend that you
0: can always convince to go see a movie on a Tuesday at four p.m.
1: Yeah, or you're sitting at home and you've you got your laptop, your phone, your thing, and you're just kind of half paying attention. So uh, it's a good excuse to be like a proper moviegoer and watch. I've been
0: trying to shut my phone off all the time, even when watching TV and stuff, because I just find I don't end up watching anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So what do you know about this movie? I know
0: very, very little, and that's and and then once we you know. Once you contacted me and we picked this movie, I said, I'm not going to go on Wikipedia. Yeah. I'm not going to do anything. I want to go in, like, almost blind. I know I know that Marlon Brando is in it.
1: Yeah. And, and he I won the Oscar. Few, what's that? He won an Oscar for it. Didn't even know. Sorry. I yep, no, no, it's fine. <laughs> but I uh, you
0: know I know a few of the famous lines and yeah, the things. Yeah, But that's really, that's it. Yeah, I know it's
1: he, him and Eva St. Marie is the only female, I think, in the movie. Okay. Uh, is all I really know, the, the contender line... Yeah. Could have uh, been Oscar, yeah. what else? So that means... I think that means he was a boxer. An ex-boxer. Sounds about right. Yep. <laughs> just because that <laughs> yeah, line, yeah. that's my only assumption. And maybe he's working on the docks now. On the waterfront? And that's just me guessing.
0: I've also like... Just in my mind, this and on Golden Pond... Sounds the same I constantly got them
1: confused
0: and on Golden Pond you know I saw when I was like maybe nine and my parents were watching it and bored the, the living daylights out of me so I think that's also part of the stigma of why this movie has never gotten the viewing because I just keep mm. thinking oh it's that
1: old people at the pond movie <laughs> <laughs> so with that said let's watch the old people in the pond movie all right not perfect. the no, old people on the waterfront movie old people on the waterfront let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, we just finished. It's done. We yeah. said literally nothing. <laughs> we were very silent. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It was, it was a good, a good screening. I mean, that that held my attention for sure.
1: Yeah, which like, you I find sometimes I drift with the older ones, but uh, yeah, I mean, where do you start with it? Uh, Brando. Let's start with Brando. I mean, you know, his name comes up before anything in the movie credits is Columbia presents Marlon Brando. You know, yeah, not Marlon Brando in <laughs> No no no. was he
0: was this still back in the days of this is still back in the days of having like contract players?
1: Uh it might have been just the end of it. I'm looking him up because I'm curious what he was doing just before this. I, I believe Guy, Guys and Dolls came with a year after. Is it eye makeup or is that the way his eyes look? No, there's eye makeup on that. I think that was like to, to make him look like an old boxer. Like old but like his eyes are, but yeah, because they had the cut on his uh, on his brow. Yeah, like the the scar on the brow. So yeah, yeah, it's not great makeup. Like if you, I think if you watch this in high def, it would probably not, uh, not hold, hold up, up well. So just before this, yeah, Guys and Dolls was just after this. Uh, Julius Caesar was before this. He played Mark Antony. Uh-huh. The Wild One was before this. Streetcar kind of Desire was before this. Uh, Last Tank. No. What? I'm going into something else. So was this his... You said he's an Oscar winner for this. He won an Oscar for this. This won a whole bunch of Oscars, this movie. This was... uh Was it Best Picture that year? I believe it was. Let me look it up. Uh at one eight Oscars, so oh, let's wow. assume that it uh Best Picture, uh Best Actor, Eva Saint Marie won for best supporting actor, best director, best screenplay. Uh, Who's the supporting so actor? Which character? Eva Saint Marie, so she was the Oh sorry, yeah, that, yeah. The love interest. Uh Bud Schulberg won for screenplay, art direction, editing. The dialogue's great. There's so many quippy lines in there. Yeah, and that's it's funny that I mean, the speech I think everyone knows is that I could have been a contender speech. I could have been someone, yeah. yeah. Instead, I'm a bum. Uh, And that's in it, but it's you know, that is the crux of the movie, you know. And you and you walk away from that scene going, ah, you feel something, you know.
0: And I feel like, like I, you know, I mentioned briefly while we were watching it, like the the influence on Rocky Balboa. I would love to know Stallone pulled from this movie. When writing, just it, it's, it's almost like it's almost like oh, a sequel. writing. It's a sequel to On the Waterfront. It's a guy who, like he is runs, runs jobs for the mob. He's a boxer and then ends up uh, getting, getting his shot.
1: You know, yeah. As less to do with mob, a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> With the corruption side of that, yeah. We well, I just mean, I just mean if there are,
0: like influences the in there, like like you know, I'd love to know if Stallone was a, a big Brando fan and an On the Waterfront fan. I
1: can't imagine it's not somewhat related. Yeah. It's, there's so many strong ties. There's the sister character. Like Adrian is the sister of Paul. Yeah, Lee. of course. So there's yeah. a, there's a lot of parallels between like on the, the kids Waterfront. in the
0: neighborhood all like him and you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. yeah. there's a lot of parallels. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, yeah, and, and just in term but I think we we kind of talked about it while we were watching the movie, but I think, you know, not only did he surely inspire Stallone, but Brando, I think inspired all of modern acting. That's what, that's what you're saying. Cause I, you know, my comment to you while watching it was he
0: feels like a modern actor in an old, you know, older acting style. And, and you had mentioned that, that he was sort of the, the, no pun intended, the godfather of modern acting. Yeah. he
1: was kind of one of the pioneers of it. Uh, and James Dean was definitely influenced by him. We talked about this a lot on the, um, the, Oh God, my brain is fried. Um, one of the earlier podcasts, Rebel at, cost? "Rebel at a Cause," "Rebel at a yeah. Cause." Thank you. Uh, about that, about because Dean was also one of those guys that that's very much a school of the modern acting, uh, and it's just it's just that he would slur words. He would, yeah. you know, not everything wasn't punctuated and enunciated perfectly. Yeah, taking taking pauses at very different times. against the this sort yeah.
0: of staccato of the creating of the his own rhythm. Acting. Yeah. It's good. I, I love it. I, again, you know, not knowing anything about the plot going in, I didn't realize it was so, so involved. And so, I mean, that had to be incredibly topical at the time, I'm mm-hmm. guessing, you know, mob corru- corruptions. No. I mean, there's still movies being made about mob corruption and modern mob stories
1: and, you know, drug families and, and things like that. But, you know, but this I is am, very blue collar. Yeah. Uh, mob corruption and very specific to a certain type of thing. But
0: even even the way that they just all kind of laugh when they have to go and testimony, you know, go and testify, and they're on the stand, just kind of like, I don't know, I, I don't know how all the books got stolen. It's just yeah. like, what a coincidence, you know. And yeah, what a coincidence. There's so yeah, there's so many moments of watching this movie, I'm like, oh oh, the one moment we talked about very briefly while watching it is when Brando goes to when Terry goes to tell her that he was responsible for setting up her brother being killed. And they use that effect, which is so commonplace these days. But I wonder if this was the first, which is the, uh, you know, the steam the, whistle, the steam whistle and, the, and all the dock work and, and machinery, the boats overpowering the dialogue to where you you hear basically none of it except the tail end when he sort of apologizes. You know, yeah. the, us as the audience already know what he's going to say. Well, and
1: just before that scene, while we were watching it, you were commenting on how impressive sound design is in movies of that Mm -hmm. era given the limitations of what they had to work with yeah yeah like you were saying probably eight eight
0: tracks of of tape or something I'm making that up maybe 60 no
1: I know but it had to be very little yeah yeah but that's and that's such a powerful moment because it's information we already know and it's just it's such a um sophisticated approach to that uh because it's so easy just to write that scene out but we don't need to know any of that stuff because we already know all that what he's about to tell her yeah and so it's about what you, so what that moment forces you to do is focus on just her, her reaction and the yeah the emotion of the scene yeah yeah and she's great yeah just cutting to that
0: closer and closer shot of her taking it in as the whistles going so it's you know it, it's literally a boiling point of the movie is yeah. this you know giant steam whistles going off like a boiling kettle uh, I yeah I really need to look that up and find out if that was the first time that that was ever implemented yeah and I also wonder if that's a decision you know thinking in, in filmmaker terms like was it planned that way or did they do that later? Do in, that in post where, you know, was that, a, was that a
1: stroke of genius of like, oh, look what we could do with sound that's never been done before. I'm sure you could track down the screenplay. Yeah. And find out if it's in the screenplay or not.
0: All right, I'm sure there's entire essays written on that scene. I just have to go yeah, digging. That's yeah,
1: it's true. It's uh, to the internet. Um, Nothing like on Golden Pond. No, <laughs> no, it's it's it, it totally well. It's not a super long movie either. It's like an hour forty five or yeah. or in that range. Uh, it, it captivates. It moves along. There's no wasted scenes. No, never. They dissolve right into one thing into the next. Dialogue starts immediately. It
0: kind of keeps keeps flowing. I really like all the 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 ensemble cast. Like everybody is a great character actor and and the really, faces in
1: this movie. Yeah. Is the lines and
0: the wrinkles and the, the appropriate age of, of the dock workers and mm-hmm. never never once really other than it being Brando and him being a l you know, a legend
1: now. Yeah. Um everybody else just really fits right in there. Yeah, and he's a heartthrob at this point, still mm-hmm. in cinema. And they, they muddy him up a little bit, but you know, he's still fairly <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he's still pretty handsome. The only, um, the only
0: faces out of places at the end when they they pull the bum to replace him at the docks, so and the guy's just so obviously caked on with like soot on his face
1: and yeah. dirt. Yeah, <laughs> that was the only one that. that well, he stood was out. early in the movie. That guy, right? Wasn't he? Yeah, but he was
0: nowhere near as dirty or anything. He was yeah. in the park. He's the one asking for the dime. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah.
1: Um, what else was I going to say about Brando? I can't remember. He's so he's so good at the like
0: the throwaway dialogue and things and sort of the sarcasm and and everything he delivers. The shrugs, yeah, yeah,
1: the shrugs, just
0: constantly shrugging and moving moving his head around. Yeah,
1: but he's in it. It's like you get this sense, and that's where you you can see. I mean, the one uh, challenge of this movie is that not everyone's acting in the same movie. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's just doing these things. He's reacting naturally to what's going on in the scene. Uh, which wasn't the the, the token at the time, uh, and it's so refreshing to see that we were talking about like how, who who do you cast as this today, um, and it's not super difficult because so many of the modern actors are just doing this, you know. If you'd have made this twenty years later, thirty years later, Jack Nicholson, yep, would have been that part. Oh, I, or or. Uh... Uh, Smoking the Bandit
0: I kept seeing a little bit of uh, Burt Reynolds in there sometimes when I'd see him <laughs> that's not <laughs> physically picked, but that's amazing uh, yeah we talked or, about or James, he, James 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 Kahn there, like there's a lot James of James Kahn would have been great you know, if it was 20 years later yeah basically anyone else from the Godfather cast you know, anyone from, from the Godfather cast
1: it's true yeah the yeah. other versions of the Pacino in there he could he could knock it out yeah the score the score is like it's uh, oh the score is Obtrusive. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the
0: most epic score for sometimes even the small like the moment when they when he throws the the work chits into the crowd and they're all wrestling each other for who's gonna get to work and who like I get it that if they don't work they don't eat they can't feed their family but the. The score was, it felt like Ben-Hur, like there
1: should have been a chariot race going. Yeah, you know? the score's either there or it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no middle ground with the score in this movie. <laughs> and as soon as like she, like, there, I can't remember what her line was, but there's the line that she says. And right after, it just comes in really hard. Yeah. Um, and it would
0: still be like, play they would cross dissolve into like the the establishing shot of another scene like on the rooftop with him with the birds, but the score was still pounding from the... It's almost like, it almost felt like they didn't have a fader button back in the day, and they just no, had to like your
1: score wants you to feel something very specific. <laughs> um yeah, and, and, and it's I think I remember what I was going to say the the uh, the metaphors are very kind of in your face on the nose, especially with the pigeons, you know the the guy <laughs> at the beginning of that was the was the stool pigeon is raising pigeons, and now Brando's taking that over, yep, and then they kill the pigeons, they kill all the pigeons.
0: why do you have to do that? Not, yeah. not a single one. left, or you know,
1: that moment it. oh broke my heart. As soon as he looked in, I was like, "Don't go in there." Don't go in there. Yeah. Well, the kid, the kids did it too. Well, I, I saw the tears in his face. I'm like, that kid's a good actor. All those tears in his face. I'm like, oh, they probably just killed the pigeon in front of him. I think did the did ki- exists exist then. He, here's the thing. <laughs> I got the sense the kids killed the pigeon. That's what I, that's what I thought. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm just saying the crew. Oh, like, and the, the crew and just the scene. you know. Kind of like a, you know, here you go. <laughs> you know, oh, geez. Like, I don't think they were real, Gavin. <laughs> well, they were real earlier. <laughs> yeah, those ones are real. <laughs> For the fifties, they look pretty real. Yeah. Pretty good, yeah. Pretty good.
0: Dead bird. <laughs> uh, I mean, cinematography, great. You know, I'm I'm watching it like from a filmmaking standpoint of like, man, these focus pullers had to earn their paycheck back in the day.
1: Yeah, they don't. They don't have monitors. They're not, no, there's a great shot just in, inside of that scene too, where. Um, where she finds out their brother's dead, uh, you cut back to the priest's point of view in the way distance, and you see that great shot in the foreground that, that pulls from her running away to him. Yeah. Like just stuff like that. But well, even
0: just like the, the first sort of introduction to the, to the union back room in the bar, and it's moving from two-shot... To a single, to coming out to a wide, so there's there's all these dollies and focus pulls just constantly, and gets, that scene almost plays like one shot for for a good minute, minute and a half, which you know.
1: And you know, I didn't even I didn't remember that or notice that, so it just because that's when I started to think like, well oh, if
0: it, you know, this is still in the day when you know things felt like stage plays yeah. put on film, and I thought the movie was going to be a lot more like that, but then it, it breaks away from that. Also, the it must have been unconventional at the time, but the. The sort of handheld at the end when it's Brando's point of view, like of staggering and walking up to the docks, and they kind of do some almost like handheld, like of his POV. Yeah,
1: yeah that seems the least effective for yeah, me in the movie. Yeah.
0: Because I'm sure at the time though, it was very like, jarring. Oh, wow, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, now it just looks like really bad, you know. Yeah, because we do stuff like that very well now, mm-hmm. where then it's just like, what is this? Yeah, it was because j- it was only like three run.
0: shots, and then they keep cutting back to the static. Of him from the front walking, you know there. But the continuity
1: was way up between yeah. that 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 kind of um, three quarter shot and the front shot. So that was bu- that's just and using the focus to show us that his vision's you know out, yeah. of, out of focus.
0: Like, yeah, it's all those techniques and things like that that you know until I watch a movie from you know sixty some years ago that I don't think about. Oh, then I start thinking like, well, when did that technique start? Who was the first film to to do the handheld? Who was the first one to do the POV with the out of focus and. No, I, I've used, you know, just all these things that now in modern cinema, you just, oh, you just, you do that. That's the effect you want.
1: Yeah, you have to go so much further to kind of create something now because so many of these tools and toolboxes are just around.
0: Well, I think about that when we talk, you know, you talk about Brando sort of revolutionizing the modern acting. I, I was, you know, thinking while watching the movie, like, who's the next actor that's going to do something else to evolve it?
1: Yeah, well, what's interesting is that you mentioned uh, Mark Ruffalo uh, as, as someone who could play it now. And I remember when I saw. Is it You Can Count on Me? Was that... He was like Brando in that movie. Like, he's... Well, I remember watching that movie and him like, who's this guy? Like, he's not even trying. Yeah. And yet he's doing something really specific. And I remember being kind of blown away by his performance the first time I saw that movie. And I think he was kind of a modern Brando. And that's not that he took it a step further, but he just kind of almost brought it back a bit. That movie especially because he was, you
0: know, basically unknown coming into that film mm-hmm. from theater. So you could, you also had the distance to not be like, oh, that's that guy from the other three movies I've seen doing this thing. My One of my favorite acting moments of all time is in You Can Count On Me when he's like trying to hurry and pack his bags and, and Laura and Linney's trying to, his sister's trying to say, well, you know... You know, you don't you don't have to go. And she says, you know, maybe you could just stay here a little while and he tries to just he's trying to hold his cool together, saying, like, Yeah, maybe that would be a really good idea And he just starts you know, he just sits uh, down and starts crying and it's like it's heartbreaking and it's real and like just chain changing emotion on a dime like that but not having it feel cheesy or over the top. Like yeah. He he definitely I I again I bet you if we googled reviews of You Can Count On Me. There's got to be at least twenty of them. They're like, you know, it's it's Marlon Brando's back, you know, or the the next wave
1: of Marlon Brando. Yeah, yeah. Because I just remember watching that movie and thinking something very special with him. And then you said while we well, were watching it, imagine you know Brando would have been the
0: Hulk if they made an Incredible Hulk movie in the fifties. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Who I'm, I'm trying to—that's just a fun thing to think about. Who? How would you cast Marvel back? Then? Who would the Avengers be from the uh, the fifties? Yeah. <laughs> Brando as Hulk would be great. Yeah. I buy that. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a couple other actors that work now. I think Ryan Gosling does really, like, he has that shrug kind of thing he can do really well. Uh, I think he's a really exciting actor in terms of what he can do. Well, and she reminded, like I said, she reminded me
0: of Jessica Chastain sometimes mm-hmm. on screen.
1: Um, yeah, or, or like Sarah Gaddon, or there's yep. so many other types. I mean, you could put Scarlett in there too, but I think that's that's an easy choice. You yeah. uh you mentioned uh, Emmy Rossum too. Yeah, yeah, and that, gonna...
0: that's only because uh you know my my wife Sarah's just recently started watching Shameless, so it's on a lot in the background when I'm doing things I'm yeah. watching, you know, seeing a lot of her lately,
1: so that it, it she really did remind me. Yeah, she be the ver- well she'd be the realistic version of that sister yeah. living in that world now. I was really impressed with the cinematography and the lighting. It
0: still felt other, you know, black and white obviously, but it felt much more modern than I expected, I guess you know even though they're they're especially with the the lighting of women and key characters and things like they're always well lit and their faces are bright but um it wasn't sometimes just older movies feel kind of very static to me and overly mm-hmm. bright for for the scenes but everything in the docks and the bars and everything and the the random wedding scene when when they come looking for her. in the, the, the most saloon. convenient plot writing of all time
1: yeah they they go to a saloon to have a beer he invites her for a beer which is adorable yeah, and then the saloon. Lets I us wait. Never had a beer. <laughs> Did he say that? Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, uh, and then yeah, they're they're leaving, and they kind of like within the same building, they bump into a banquet hall. Where there's a wedding in place that he well, the runs. Bride, it. Yeah, the, she leaves the back room of the saloon into the main bar. The
0: bride comes running in to get a drink, and then returns <laughs> to the banquet hall. That's the next room over.
1: That one of the. Mobster guys is there. He's like, oh, the boss wants to see it, and then I've been
0: looking everywhere.
1: for And you. then also the guys running the investigation have their subpoena with them because they knew he'd be there. <laughs> I was actually surprised
0: how little interaction the the investigators have. You know, they just pop in a couple times to try to get information, but they never really push them or arrest them. Or I thought at some point we we're going to end up in a police room in an interrogation trying to get information. It was very it was very subtle and, and almost I feel realistic that, you know, once they had the once they'd already subpoenaed him, show up one more time and just, you know, reiterate how important well, it is to, you know
1: Yeah, you kinda of think that they'd want to know how he was gonna speak or what side he was gonna yeah. lean on. I guess I guess you've got the priest to fill that role though, in terms of story mechanics. Uh, you had predicted the priest wouldn't wouldn't be would, around in Act Three. That he well, would and I guess Charlie took that place, yes, right? Yeah. Like it filled that that hole that would have been the major death in the third act. Charlie, that would have been either Wayne Knight or John Favreau if it was cast nowadays. Great so, casting. Yeah. <laughs> I think if you're going with uh, Mark Ruffalo, you got to go with Wayne Knight as yeah. the brother. Yeah, the comic relief. They, they would, <laughs> no, but they would just pass his brothers really yeah. believably. Um, yeah, and the I mean, I guess why do they kill Charlie just to piss off? Well, he also maybe? let his brother go because weren't they? Well, the driver they cut to that they they do that great again yeah. like the cinematography they do that great thing in the moment where they pan over to the driver and almost turn the car's a light moving. on him. Yeah, while the car's moving, yeah. I and mean, maybe they did rear projection, but oh, there's not even rear projection because there's the like the slats
0: almost like window blinds on the back of the car window, so you can't actually. When they're in the backseat driving, they're just clearly rocking mm. rocking the car. But that, yeah, that shot with the driver. So he listened into everything and he knows that Charlie let him out of the car and gave him the gun and gave him a fighting chance. So I think yeah. it's like, oh, well, you know, he's almost like, Charlie's like, sac- you know, he's saying, to me, that was Charlie, you know, Brando's just told him, Terry's just told him, you, you know, know ruined it, was my life. You, it was you, you ruined my life. And he's sort of saying, okay, here's your shot. You know, I'm going to make you a contender in the game of survival versus boxing. Nice. And gives it, you know, so he's sacrificed himself to give his brother a a fighting chance. The shot that he took from him. Because they knew that they were, you know, they were going to kill him.
1: Yeah, well, Um, he specifically said he's like, you got to make a choice before you get to whatever street. And he's like, wait a minute, what? What, Where are we going? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Why do I have to decide by then, Charlie? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so great. Um,
0: Yeah, it was interesting. The mob was... So fixated on which way he was going to f- flip or or take their side with the the, f- the FBI or the investigators the, the the what were they they were the the waterfront investigative bureau or something <laughs> very the specific. WIB yeah
1: yeah the very specific <laughs> yeah they didn't really have I mean I guess you wonder was the priest working with them so maybe they but you don't see a scene like that every scene is basically from po- Brando's point of view. Um. But yeah, you wonder that. You wonder if uh, if if the the priest was working more with them, and I guess you just didn't want to fill the story time with that. But you would think, in in a logistical sense, the that actor who plays the priest is really good when he gives
0: his uh, after after they kill the dock worker by accidentally dumping the uh, that was air quotes for anybody listening accidentally uh, knock the, the cases on him and kill him. When he gives his speech and they're, and they're throwing stuff out of him and cans at his head and he just keeps...
1: He just, like, to his tr- conviction, closes you know? his eyes for a second and keeps on going. Yeah. yeah. That, I think he was nominated for Best Supporting. He was really good. Yeah, again, for that era, he's doing something that's a little bit... He's kind of in the middle uh, of those two different acting styles. You realize, you're, like, you're going to get a flood of Facebook or text messages from me over the next two
0: or three days. i read, like, did you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you re- realize who that guy? That like the one mobster I said is that Lurch from the, uh, he might from the have Addams been. family? He really
1: might have been. Well, I mean, well this this movie is full of, uh, of a lot of those faces. When you go back and you start looking them up, mm-hmm. uh, you'll be like, oh my god, this guy was in this, and this guy was in that. It's one of the, it's one of the pleasures of going back and watching older movies is just kind of bathing in. People that were just starting out, Mm -hmm. that hadn't done much yet, and just and just discovering those people, or or realizing, oh my god, this person's in that.
0: Because some of these people, I probably know them much older, in their sixties or even seventies, in movies that were shot in the seventies or even early eighties at that point. But um, I can't just recognize the. You know, a few Mm of them look really familiar, but again, it's like you know when you look at anybody twenty five years younger even just amongst your friends or anything, sometimes you can't even recognize them, so...
1: Yeah, and also this iTunes uh, down uh rental was not the best transfer of the movie. No, no, it was definitely very, very dirty, but I feel like that adds to some of the... Oh, I didn't mind it at all. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't give you that crystal clear look on their faces. Yes, yeah. Although Brando's makeup would not hold up under high, high quality... No, there's there's some terrible movie makeup in it now that
0: everything's gone. You know, Blu-ray and high def and 4K. It does not hold up.
1: No. But it, uh, his transformation is is believable. Like, you buy that he's just this kind of punch-drunk, not a grifter, but a bum. Yeah, he's just, just sort of, he, he gave up. He didn't get his
0: title shot, and he's been holding that in forever. And I really like how slow the reveal is that you know, they mention he's a boxer in the second scene, but... People call him a bum. Yeah, yeah, and it just sort of... But it, it really builds nice... You know, she asks him about being a prize fighter, and he starts explaining it, and then he just says, "Ah, oh, you probably don't even want to hear this anyways. And then yeah. it really doesn't come up until, like, the, the with his brother in the car in the contender scene, you know, when he finally sort of, like, says what's been on his mind for the last, you know, four or five years. Yeah. Or when the FBI guy... He gets excited when the FBI guy starts asking about, like... Was that a hook or a jab that you threw him? And then he starts talking about the fight specifically. Well, there is
1: that one scene, so we, we forgot about that when we were talking about the, the lack of involvement from the waterfront Oh, it crew. was him winning him over with his boxing. Yeah. Yeah. So they did not have that scene. I'm a fan. I like you. We should like each other. Yeah, they did, definitely. Um, but yeah, you're right. You start, you got the first one, it's like, oh, he threw a fight. Yeah. You start, they, yeah, they're, it's very sophisticated in the way they just give you a little bit of information here, a little bit here. The exposition is really simple mm-hmm. and they use it in a... Good job, Bud Schulberg.
0: Yeah, but, yeah, the, I mean, the plotting and, and the writing is fantastic. Other than the wedding reception and everybody being there in that one scene.
1: We lost the location. Quick, Bud. How do you
0: get them all in one scene? Because I feel like the city's a big place, yet somehow they all just all lived in basically this one of two where buildings. Where is it? Is it in
1: Pittsburgh? They, they make a what, joke about Pittsburgh. Aren't away they from, across
0: right? the, the river from New York? Aren't they in Jersey? I don't remember ever but saying... I saw... I mean, I saw the Empire State Building, I thought, in the background of, uh, of a shot. I missed
1: it if they ever said... It. I'm just looking up Bud Schubert. I'm very curious what else... Yeah, he didn't really have a ton DJ of... DJ Cobb. Little Orphan Annie. A oh, he... Star is Born. Contributing writer. Yeah, he didn't have a ton of super well-known credits before this movie. Oh, so it's the same director as Streetcar Named Desire. East of Eden. Yeah. Yeah, Eliza Kazan. Yeah, uh, yeah Schubert... Never... I mean, he wrote a bunch of other stuff, but not... Nothing, nothing that at I, his level? Nothing that I really remember uh, in terms of and this he won level. an Oscar for this. He won an Oscar, so it feels like... He wasn't... He feels like he was kind of a one-hit wonder in terms of his big movie. Rod Steiger was his
0: brother? No
1: kidding. Yeah. Didn't recognize him at all. So like Kazan, who directed this, also the Streetcar, like he said, but he also did East of Eden, which... I think, was James um, James Dean's first movie. If not his first, it was one of his first. It was one of the ones that really, really got him uh, recognized. Um, and Pat, so it's interesting that they, they he directed both Brando and him. And Pat Hingle is uncredited as a character named
0: Jocko. Pat Hingle was Commissioner Gordon in Tim Burton's Batman. And, well, actually, the first... Three Batmans.
1: Yeah, that's this is gonna be a whole a whole afternoon on IMDb of trying to figure out yeah. all the different things. Yeah, did it li- so it lives up to your expectations, I guess. I think surpassed,
0: had. you know, because I didn't I didn't know what it was about, so I didn't know it was this intriguing sort of, you know, it's it's an interesting film because it's not just about the mob corruption, you know, it's it's got it's got the family drama, it's got this love story budding in the middle, and the ver- two very unlikely people that she would fall for the guy that was responsible for setting up her brother's murder. And, you know, so it had a lot of things. I literally had no idea what the movie was about. I thought it was going to be a simple relationship drama. But I think that's how I label most black and white movies. Yeah. Everything's, but then again, you know, like the first time I saw Casablanca, I had the same thing. Where I was like, oh, this is just some love story. I'm like, Man, this movie's amazing.
1: Casablanca is amazing and Casablanca holds up. It does, it really Especially does. Especially when you think about the modern politics. Which makes me think, so if you're gonna remake this today, what's the story? What are the what's the, the background to the story? The the Russian investigation? <laughs> yeah. Maybe, but it's something around that. Maybe it's about you know, maybe it's not just about dog workers, but it's about, you know, gender parity or about mm-hmm. other stuff. Like it's just the way people keep other people down because it's you know, so much about the union is like, I get to pick who gets to work here. Yeah. I get to do this kind of stuff.
0: I really... And the the scene where they try, to, they try to organize in a public place, like at the church, and everyone's still too scared to talk, even, you know, even in the sanctity of a church. And of course, they're correct, because the mob shows up and chases them out and beats the
1: living hell out of everyone they can catch. You know? Which is what causes the guy to squeal. Yeah. You know, they weren't going to... It was, but that was a weird move. That's the one that, was like. Because they send Brando, they send him to investigate. Why would you show up if you have a, a yeah, spot an inside man? Yeah. I guess to make it look like you don't have an inside man, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah, um, but at that point, it was too late. Anyway, it's interesting. I, mean, I just found that to be curious. But of course, they don't realize that they're so. So they are the the architect of their own demise
0: in that As, sense. Yeah. Isn't that always the yeah. case, though? Yeah, it's always somebody trying to be overly cautious or
1: overly protective that uh, lands them uh, lands them in jail. Yeah, I think what's interesting is that it's like sometimes when you watch these older movies, you uh I think I find this more like movies that we grew up with, movies of the eighties, but sometimes you watch them and you feel like I missed the window with which I could appreciate this movie.
0: In yes the, in this original viewing. But I don't
1: think that's I would say that for this. I feel like I still watch this movie. That's one of the reasons I've held off seeing
0: some movies, especially like eighties movies where I'm like it's not going to work then. <laughs> I remember showing my wife the Goonies like last year or two years ago and be like, it's amazing. You'll love this movie. And she went, this is so cheesy. And I was like, it broke my heart. Sarah. But it really, but honestly, if you look at Goonies with an honest eye, it doesn't hold up in a lot of ways. Oh, you
1: get the final of <laughs> my house. <written. laughs>
0: Listen, I love the story. It's dear to my heart. Yeah. I love those characters, the moments, the music. But there are elements over there that you're like, this, it's very dated.
1: Yeah, yeah. maybe. I not, not in the same way that like Gremlins isn't as dated. Like Other movies of the era aren't as dated. I haven't gone back to revisit Gremlins as much. I, I always, My lit miss tips for movies like that are my son. Yeah. Uh, who's pretty, for his age, is fairly sophisticated and will call... Bullshit on certain movies. But Goonies stands up for him. Nice. Uh, I'm trying to think if he had any issues with it. No, he... he, I mean, I just... Because this thing's like, you know, Labyrinth is the cheesier of all the fantasy movies now.
0: But, like, for the most part, Never Ending Story holds up. Uh, The Dark Crystal holds up phenomenally. You know what? I
1: just want... We just did the Dark Crystal a couple weeks ago. Um... And I I hadn't seen it before. Ever. Did you enjoy it? Or was it... I was... God, it's probably my least favorite Henson movie. Uh, I think it's... I, it, I missed the window. because George Lucas it. was involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What makes that hold up for you?
0: I don't know. Maybe it's that I just love it. As, I also haven't seen it in 10 years. So yeah. For maybe me, it doesn't. Because they're doing the Netflix series now. Well, that's why, and now that's
1: why I wanted to do it. And for me, that one just kind of... And I find it so true of so many older movies that movie just kind of missed context for me for a lot of stuff. Okay. Like, I want to know more about this and I just felt like they were giving us just surface levels of certain things uh, that maybe the... Because the Netflix special I believe is supposed to be a prequel. It is. The, from what I understand, yeah. So maybe that'll help fill that out a bit more. But I think that was an example where I said maybe I've missed the original window because I love Labyrinth. Yeah. You know? I, for me as a kid I was just... And I saw all
0: of those in their theatrical releases so that like I was... As a, you know, five, six, seven-year-old kid watching some of these movies—it was mind-blowing. You know, and that's thats always stuck with me. So that, that those are all the movies that made me want to make movies. You yeah, know? like that fantasy
1: escape. Yeah, even we watched. Uh, we did Princess Bride here, uh, and uh, and one of us. Um we had that. that's kind of started the, that conversation that I think about a lot now. Is like I think they think they missed the uh the window. The window. But to I also feel it.
0: Princess Bride is a movie you have to see at least four or five times because it is a bit kitschy and some of it is in the replay value and being able to like you know almost like a sing along, like talk along with it, and know the jokes and like anticipate the moments as they're coming. I do find that some movies that that on first viewing I've been like I don't get it. And then, but you know, it ends up being on cable again and again, and, and then it just becomes part of like, like comedy, especially. Zoolander was like that for me. And the first time I saw that in a theater, I was like, what a waste of time. Like I laughed, but I was like, what a waste of time. But then everybody owned it on DVD, and it was always on in the background, and it just ends up like seeping. Like music does that sometimes too. You know, you hear something go, Ugh, I don't like that artist, and then I'm like, why am I singing Miley Cyrus's Wrecking Ball? I hate this song. <laughs> I'm the wrong demographic but you for don't. this song.
1: Yeah, I know. I don't, but... Uh, the, my movie for, for me it was Napoleon Dynamite.
0: A hundred percent. That's one of the best examples of it, where you're like, you walk, I walked out of the theater. I was like, it's fine. I don't get it. But my brother had come to my office like a week later. He's like, hey, I saw this movie. Have you seen Napoleon Dynamite? I'm like, yeah, I it did. It's so stupid. Like, you're feeding the emu in the backyard and everything. Eat your food, Tina. You know, and then we, we basically reiterated all the jokes. And by yeah. the time we discussed it, I was like, oh, it's really funny.
1: I, there, I watched it I was like it's fine I don't know what everyone's big deal yeah. is and then me and my roommates at the time just kept on quoting it over and yeah. over again and I think we watched that movie together at least a dozen times if oh, not more oh you delicious bass yeah. yeah you know
0: what I mean I can still, it's still stuck in my head I haven't seen it in years yeah yeah. Uh, cool. yeah so I think sometimes you know like even a movie like on the waterfront like I I do want to watch it again because a lot of it I'm, I'm I'm mostly just wowed by I'm mostly just wowed by like how difficult it must have been to make a movie 60 years ago with all the dolly shots and the focus pulling and and, and the audio mixing. So, Half of my half of my attention watching it the first time through is, is on the technical yeah. and the lighting. So I, I I do want to try to now that that's out of the way, go back and watch it again, just to strictly pre- for the story and, and the acting and everything else. Oh, so
1: when you watch it the first time, your brains on all that kind of stuff. old older movies always. I try I try to
0: modern movies. I try to just disengage from all the plot holes and everything else. And just watch the movie and then dissect. That happens a lot where I kind of enjoy a movie, and then I, I walk to a movie theater near my near my house a lot. And as I leave the arc light and walk home, I usually talk myself out of liking a movie. You know, I think I think I've liked it, and then I go, "Oh no, wait a minute!" Oh, you know, it's like, but it's fine because at least while I'm there in the theater, my ten bucks was well spent, and and I've been entertained. You know,
1: well, it's hard for. Guys like us to watch a movie and just and just let it wash over you. And when that does happen, that's an, when you know you're completely engaged. Yeah, because yeah, you're like, I wasn't thinking about the the stuff at all. Yeah, well, I mean, back then too, it's like they're not making as many movies as they make today. You know, they're taking a little bit of time making them because things just took yeah. longer. Of course. You know? Yeah. So uh, yeah, I
0: wonder like what the shooting schedule on this movie was. Like how you know how many days, weeks, months to to shoot and.
1: Yeah, I'm not super familiar with the old shooting schedules
0: and how what the long union they took. rules used to be like. For was it was it strictly eight-hour days or all stuff I need to learn? Right. I constantly do that about the history of things. Be like, I I I just feel like I I'm unappreciative of what I have in terms of filmmaking because I can pick up a camera and go make something tonight if I want. It was not that easy,
1: you know. No, especially just in terms of the equipment and all that kind of stuff. Is like you needed. You know, like you said, you your focus pullers—all these kind of—and they're all union mm-hmm. guys too, and and you have to be highly trained. You nobody could just—it's not like in that scene in the movie where there's like, "Hey, I can grab any guy off the street." You yeah. do the job. Also, nothing in there to me really felt like a set.
0: So the set design, art direction was everything. Really felt like we were in real places. Yeah, and I and that's—I wonder if any of those were mat mat paintings for the background, or did they actually go to the docks? and shoot it
1: yeah and it's hard to tell on a print like this because Mm -hmm. they blend in so much better
0: sometimes that's where the older movies in a less like not in HD even Star Wars and things when you watch them in an older format the the effects blend in better because they weren't meant to be seen in in HD no they weren't designed
1: for it yeah Uh,
0: yeah so all that the art direction the set like just overall I can see why it won best picture I can see you know yeah I'm trying to think what it was up against I'm
1: going to look real quick.
0: I'm a little little rusty on my 1954 Aria? Oscar contenders. I can just... Oh, here we go. It was... Uh, oh, yeah, here we go. I got it, too. The Cane Mutiny. Yeah. Country bo- Girl.
1: Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. <laughs> that was three, one of my mother's favorite movies. Three Coins in the Fountain. Yeah, he was up against... Uh, Bogart. Bogart. Bing for- Crosby. James Mason. Yeah, there's no... There's no way he doesn't win that. Grace Kelly won for The Country Girl. I don't even know that movie. No, well... Oh, okay, it won art direction and set design. Yeah, as it should have. Well, the sc- I don't disagree with it not winning score. That score was not amazing.
0: Uh, best
1: Cinematography. Yeah. Yeah. The least subtle score in that I can think of in recent history. Although, back to our Nightmare on Elm Street... I think we had off camera. Yeah. Uh, off camera, off mic. Uh, that score is terrible, too. I love that score.
0: <laughs> that synth, especially the main. Dun, dun, what is it?
1: But it's just, you gotta dance. All you can do dun, is dance to dun, it. It dun. just makes it not scary at all. The chase stuff is terribly
0: cheesy. Like, yeah. But, but, the, but the, the eerie, with just the sort of like female vocal, like sustaining notes over top of that. Dum, 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 dum. Dum, dum. that carries through all the movies that became the thing fair enough fair enough, fair enough. Uh, but it's also i mean that movie was i i ended up in a really amazing situation a couple of years ago in a vip booth at a film premiere with uh robert shea who owned new line cinemas and produced nightmare you know nightmare on elm street like and i was just like can i ask you it, i said it's literally my favorite horror movie i'm not making making that up and so him telling stories about how low budget it was and how they made the movie was fascinating to me. So that's one thing I can also appreciate when I look back. That wasn't
1: made for like 15 or $20 million. It was no. super Did super it low have a different title originally? I don't know. Because we were wondering, because there's no, there's no shot of Elm Street or a sign or anything. And we wondered if that wasn't an afterthought. Oh, that's they, a good They morning. never referenced Elm Street in the entire movie. Children of Sinners or something. It could have become... Yeah, yeah. who knows?
0: I wonder. I wonder what it was.
1: We had just a theory on Abram's head. It's a great one of title. Heads. It's a great a title. A on Elm Street, you know? Yeah, but we just wondered if based on the, the lack of talking about Elm Street or... Because in the sequels, they play up the Elm Street thing constantly. Of course. you Yeah, it's always like starting on a shot above the
0: trees and then panning down and like, or, you know, craning down and landing on the Elm Street sign. Yeah, yeah, All rusted and in decay. Exactly, yeah. exactly. The same with the house. They made that house iconic in all the sequels, with it being all boarded up, and always. In, everyone's nightmares always went back to the house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, They should have just bulldozed Elm Street, and then they
1: wouldn't have had any more people They're living fun. there, any more problems. Yeah, don't go near Elm Street. <laughs> uh, any, any final thoughts on Waterfront? Other than
0: truly enjoying it, and, uh see every time I do see a great movie from the past it, it softens softens me up to go see all of the other ones that I've also skipped you know yeah I had a, a friend Trevor in high school who loved all of the classic movies and had a VHS collection of all the And he constantly forced me to like not you would try like come watch this and you'll, you'll love it you'll love it if you like Spielberg you'll love this because of this this and that and I just but just never did it I just couldn't couldn't do it and I, I, I mean, it's funny this is a I, that's what I love about your podcast. I've been doing this with music lately. I've been listening to the top 500 albums list that Rolling Stones put out like five years ago. So I just take a walk every day listen to one album. And I'm just systematically doing all 500 of them to to experience music and bands and things I would have never even given a chance to.
1: Oh, that's a great idea. And I
0: really need to do that with, with more movies. You so. should do a podcast about that. About the albums? Yeah. I should. I'm only fifty deep. I could, I could
1: catch up. Yeah. You can catch up. Yeah, yeah. Well, this. I mean, this kind of. I mean, I talked a bit about the yeah. etymology of this, but another, another thing that kind of inspired was I was at a, a, a birthday party with uh, Kevin and We were talking about uh, the AFI like 100 mm-hmm. lists. Like they have, they have a whole bunch of different ones. But we just pulled it up, and it's like let's be honest and say which ones we haven't seen. And going through, yeah. like Jesus Christ, how come I've never seen that and this and that. And, and that was the thing that made me launch and be like, no, I'm going to do it. I'm finally going to do the podcast. Yeah. Well, it's great. You're motivating
0: yourself to appreciate more cinema and you're bringing all of your friends and collaborators and everyone else in the industry you know along. I would not have seen this movie. Who knows if I would have ever seen this movie. I don't know if I ever podcast. would have either.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And just revisit. It's nice to give, especially when there's so much content out nowadays, it's nice to have an excuse to revisit something. Of course, yeah. For that's, the ones I'm rewatching
0: with people, that's that's also my general thought nowadays. You know, I don't I don't enjoy a lot of movies, like modern movies. Like it's, it, it, I don't know, I don't know if it's just me getting pickier. I've already like peaked at the things that I like, and I'm now the old <laughs> begrudging man. You know, kids these days and there are Transformers movies, or if it's and not having children to enjoy those movies with, uh, or it's more so just that movies, you know. Are in a, a weird cycle of a lot of like all my favorites each year are like smaller independent films that are a little braver, a little more unique. All the studio stuff has not impressed me that much lately, um, so I do try to go back and find things on Netflix or older movies that I haven't seen because I keep the general thought process is why do I keep paying to go watch things that I feel are crap when there's this wealth, you know, wealth of a library of things that I've been putting off seeing and I'll probably you know my my general movie going experience in a given year will be much more enjoyable if i if i watch this this catalog of stuff i've been dodging forever
1: do you have a list i have a list i i have
0: a i have a list of like the classics i need to see and then as we were talking uh, off camera <laughs> off mic uh, you know being married to somebody who grew up Riding ponies out in the county and not watching anybody. one of
1: those yeah. outdoorsy
0: types. Didn't even know acting was a career, and now she's an actor. <laughs> um, but yeah, just you know, having her—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's weekly. Have you seen? You know that scene and no, put it on the list, and then we got to we got to get through all of those movies too.
1: Yeah, and yeah. That, I'm going through them with my son a lot of movies now. We're kind of going. I mean, as every year time he gets. So- couple year a year older or so it's like oh, I think you'd watch this now yeah the other thing that I'm trying to do is like
0: you know you end up with so many friends in the industry is trying to chip away the mounting like pile of screeners that have been sent to me that I haven't watched because I I do generally want to celebrate all of my friends work and see it all but again that's that's the third list of things to like mm-hmm. to get through and that uh you know not a day goes by I don't make a new actor friend or a new crew friend or something. So it, th- that list is exponential in its growth in terms of things I need to watch.
1: We'll never get around to all of
0: it. No, no, and that's the thing you gotta. And then you gotta find time to write and make your own movies too. So
1: yeah, that's the challenge. I've literally, it's uh, you know, this will come out much later, but we uh, th- we're coming up to uh, Canada Day, and so we're going to our farm for the for the week, and I literally went through my collection today and just made a stack of Canadian only movies. Is, is that what I saw on your,
0: on your counter walking yeah. in? Yeah. Yeah. I'm
1: like, that's all I'm bringing. I'm only bringing Canadian movies to catch up on a bunch of Canadian movies I haven't seen.
0: Yeah. I honestly, since I've been living in LA, even Canadian, Canadian movies and TV are like, you know, I, I had lunch with somebody today that's on two Canadian shows right now. Um, and then just discussing and they're like, you know what? I'm like that aired already. Like, yeah. I'm like, I, it, it's it doesn't even make a blip on, on my radar. So, I'm, the more I'm away, the harder it is to even know mm-hmm. what's being what's being made here and released. I do try to come home around CFF every year, or you know, or you know, just to at least try to see some of the the indie stuff that I that I know I'll love and probably know a lot of the people involved. Nice. Somebody needs a like Canadian Netflix, but not
1: not what Canadian Netflix is, but just for all
0: Canadian content to like, so we can catch
1: up. There's a couple. Uh, first Weekend Club has some kind of a portal. Do they? But they they stream for money o- older movies. Mm-hmm. Um, Netflix does do Canadian movies ish. Not really though. I missed
0: my Rogers videos and the when they used to do the Rogers Choice ones or whatever, and it was always Canadian. Like I saw Heater. That's how I saw that. I think that's how I saw Cube for the first time. They would do their own selection of like yeah. official Rogers you know releases.
1: No more. You gotta seek him out. Yes. You gotta seek out. Too many. Too, Too many. many movies. So on that <laughs> that's a good place to wrap it up. Go there and watch movies you haven't seen. Yes. That's our takeaway. Probably haven't seen some of our movies. Go see those. Go watch yeah, start with there. Start there. Yeah, you haven't seen <laughs> Gavin's, you haven't seen mine.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. Start there. We need those nickels so we can make the next one. Yeah. For dimes. Yes, for dimes. You got can you spare a dime, Brando? <laughs>
1: Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the Thanks for joining us for On the Waterfront. If you like the show, please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word about it. Please leave a review or rate it wherever you're listening to it, because that kind of stuff does make a difference. You can find me on Twitter at Lalonde Jeremy, and on Facebook you can check out Black Hole Films. Leave a review there as well, or on Apple Podcasts, I think we're supposed to call it now. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks.